This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by InterVarsity Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at IVPress and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com. Welcome to Truth Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? I'm doing good today. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. (laughs) Coming coming into 2021, like, you know what? We're going to be all right. Hey, we're gonna be all right. I mean, this this is the year of harvest in the name, in the name. I'm, I'm just prophesying over my own life. I ain't I ain't prophesying. I'm just over my own life. I guess right. <laughs> I harvest is coming. Harvest is coming in the name of Jesus. So. Okay. We, can, we can always pray, can't we? We can always Amen. <laughs> so I'm good. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm really just glad that season five, okay? We made it by God's grace. And um it's a I, I, reflection. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. It's a serious milestone. And mm-hmm. I'm excited that we are putting ourselves, even though we do this often, put ourselves in the posture of learning, yeah. um, formally learning with we gonna learn today um, yeah. as our our theme for uh for season five. And uh, I am excited about who we have at the table. See how yeah. you. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited because I'm going to tell you what, it is time for us to grow up in the things of God. So I'm really excited. It really is. It is. And we could have we could not think of anybody uh, um, better to bring to the table than our sister, Yolanda Solomon. Hey, Yolanda, how you doing, girl? Oh, my God. (laughs) I am beyond myself to be on this podcast. Um, secretly, I was hoping this episode was going to be about, you know, who would win in a mayoral election between Mary J. Blige and Oprah. Or, <laughs> you know, the intricacies of Faith Evans' harmonies. You know, I love Jesus and I love the things of God, but I mean, y'all episodes on music, you know, I secretly imagine that I'm a co-host on those episodes. And so... That's where I am right now. I'm that very, is so very happy to be here today, ladies. That, that, that means that you know that Mary J. Blige is my play older cousin. So you absolutely. know. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Like, MJB all day will win that. So we yeah. might have to throw you some uh, Black Girl Magic questions at the end. We, we, you know what? That's what we're going to do. Just because you came to the table, you wanted some music questions. We're going to ask you one yeah. of our um, force oh, fun questions. That's what we're going to do. Please <laughs> and thank you. So you be ready, okay? <laughs> Um, but okay, so y'all, just in case you don't know who Yolanda Solomon is, let me tell you a little something about this sister, okay? Uh, Yolanda Solomon is a proud Brooklyn native. After working in the television and film industry for over 10 years, Yolanda earned an MA in urban missions from Westminster Theological Seminary and then transitioned to working in campus ministry at Columbia University in 
NYC, where she has been blessed to serve as an undergraduate student uh, for eight years. And so she was ministering to these students for that many years, y'all. And Yolanda currently serves on staff at Epiphany Church Brooklyn as the discipleship director. Welcome to the table, Yolanda. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Like I said, I'm so happy to be here. Um, yeah, Brooklyn is, is, you know, like the rest of, uh, most of America these days, you know, we're all still quarantined, you know, just Mm -hmm. staying in the house, you know, we got a little snow, um, last week. And so, you know, we're just kind of hunkered down. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, I'm so excited to talk to you guys. Yeah. Well, we are, we are excited to have you here, sis. I just, um, I think for the I'd love to ask you about just how you came to faith. Like, how did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? I'm actually not uh, privy to your story of conversion. So if you could talk to our sisters at the table and tell them about how you came to um, faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. Um, Yeah, that's a that's a crazy question. Um, I'll try to I'll try to keep it short. Um, I was raised in a Baptist church, grew up in Brooklyn, like I said, went to church every Sunday um, with my um, my parents and my brothers, you know, did the whole youth choir, usher board. Sunday school, you know, everything like Baptist. I'm the most Baptist Baptist I know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, we was in church a, a lot of days of the week. Um, but, you know, as I got older, um, definitely when I went to college, I think, and similar to like a lot of people, um, I think I realized that for me, my Christian faith was um, really, um, I wouldn't say nominal, but I really had never really experienced or really understood or applied the gospel to my life. Um, And I'll say that because, I mean, I think my moral compass kind of just shifted (laughs) wherever I let it shift when I was in college, you know, grew progressively ratchet year by year. Um, (laughs) But more so, and I I just say that to say, like, I think... (laughs) You know, when you, I, I grew up in Brooklyn, I went to college in upstate New York and it was a small college town and it really wasn't much to do except, you know, smoke weed and, you know, because it was freezing. Like, you think we got like snow here um, in the Finger Lakes region. It's just snow and weed, you wow. know, and so that that's what we did. Um, <laughs> and and I think for me, you know, growing up in the church, my thing was, you know, let me as long as I get good grades, you know, don't embarrass my parents. I'm good, you know, and that was kind of my moral compass. And it had nothing to do with necessarily scripture. It was just, I'm not passed out in front of the dorm like some of these other students. And so mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I'm probably better than them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, as you, as you know, <laughs> when you are your own moral compass, uh, it just, you know, it just keeps moving. Whatever you justify, mm-hmm. you justify. So um, providentially, junior year, I left uh, upstate and I did a semester in Los Angeles. Um, I was a television uh, production major. And so I was interning for a show called Dawson's Creek. I'm kind of dating myself here. Um, <laughs> and, and I interned for Carsey Werner. They did like a lot of sitcoms at the time. But more importantly, uh, a family friend who was an actress in LA. She had grown up in the same church that I went to. She she um, reached out to me. Um, and it's crazy. We're talking about discipleship today. Mm-hmm. Um, she literally did that. She took me under her wing. She offered to help me out. I did not have a driver's license. I'm from New York. She's from LA. You need right. a driver's license. So she would, you know, just as simple as like, yo, you need a ride to get groceries. And I was like, yes, I do need a ride to get groceries. Right. Um, didn't go to church with her at first, but 
the groceries, you know, that was a necessity that turned to lunches, you know, that turned to her letting me tag along with her to industry events, you know, um, mm. but all the while she's sneakily modeling a Christ-like life in front of me. I mean, she's driving from Beverly Hills to the Valley, taking me to get groceries, bringing me back home. And she's got like a whole job. Like I was 20, you know what I mean? She was, I want to say maybe like 30 at the time. So she really didn't have time to, you know, that just. 405 ain't no joke. I Listen, know. LA traffic. I know. That's the most Christ-like thing I've ever seen, offering to drive somebody in L.A. traffic. And I was belligerent. Like, she would try to talk to me about the things of God. (laughs) Um, And she, she, she didn't make me feel stupid, you know, even when I would push back on what she would talk to me about. Um, but I just say this to say, she was so firm in her convictions. She she listened to me um, and she really wasn't about arguing um, because to be honest, her whole life was just saturated with the gospel, even though she wasn't super preachy. Like she was the same person in the car going to get groceries as she was. I remember we went to the Soul Train Music Awards and I lost it. I was like, oh my God, that's nice and smooth in the line. I'm again, dating myself, y'all who know who nice and smooth are. I'm like, oh my God, it's Buster Rhymes, it's Whitney Houston. And She's just like, all right, sis, just let me know when you're ready, you know, to go. I'm at the bar, you know, open bar. She's <laughs> chilling, <laughs> you know. Um, and and I just say that to say, she, I remember when the semester was over. And I mean, I'm obviously a Christian, so you know how the story ended. But she modeled a life of somebody who belonged to God and obeyed God. But she had joy doing it. Like, I remember thinking, like, yo, she's the happiest person out here. I'm here interning and trying to network and trying to climb, you know, up. I was about to graduate, get a job. And I was like, she has more joy than everyone that I'm trying to be like, you know, at my internships. Um, And so even years later, I could always call her and ask her for advice and prayer. um, And she would always uh, point me to the word. So after I graduated, um, I did struggle to find Christian community um, back home. Um, But eventually, you know, got invited to a Bible study that turned into a women's Bible study. Shout out to the Rahab group Bible study at Mount Lebanon Baptist Church uh, that held me down. (laughs) I don't know why they called us. I was like, yeah, Rahab, a prostitute. The pastor (laughs) called us Rahab group. I was like, but you know what? God moved moved in that Rahab. We we, we used to call it the Rehab uh, Bible study because that's that's what it felt like. But that time, and so this is like my early 20s now, that's really kind of where I grew in my faith, developed a love for the word, um, worked, started working in television on various you know, TV shows, um, worked for ABC News um, for a minute. And I remember like, and it's wild, cause like now when I talk to younger women who are believers who maybe aren't content with where they are in the world, you know, I'm, I'm on the other side of 40 years old. So I'm like, you know, a lot of the stuff that I share with you guys came from like those times in my early twenties when I, you know, before I was married, didn't have no kids, you know, just would go to work, you know, working on some crazy show and come mm-hmm. home and just get in a word. Like, cause I had time to, you know, I just would, mm-hmm. you know, don't got no, you don't, you don't, you don't got to make dinner for nobody. You just have peanut butter and jelly for dinner and leave the dishes in the sink. And just like, mm-hmm. I, that's what I would do. I just would read the Bible and study and read books. And, um, eventually I went to seminary, um, in 2007 part-time, because I liked my job. I didn't really see ministry as something. I, I just was like, you know, the Bible says, love the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, this is me loving my mind. And I found a, a program that was affordable. 
Um, and so I did that part time, um, eventually did get married um, and then graduated after um, I got married and just continued to serve in the local church while continuing to work in, in TV and film. And it wasn't until 2013. So I graduated from seminary in 2010. And it wasn't until 2013 that I actually started working formally, I guess you would say, in campus ministry. Um, and I've been, you know, did that up until August of last year. Um, and now I'm officially serving on staff at my local church. Shout out to Epiphany Church, Brooklyn. Um, literally January of this year, January 2021. And so that's, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Thank you. So much. I mean, I, when I tell you I love that story, <laughs> I was like, keep on talking. Uh, and so many moments, especially that that um, that shout out to the Rahab Women's um, yes. Discipleship Group, you know. But hey, Rahab is in the lineage of the Messiah. So, you know, <laughs> yes, she is. I can do, right? Um, so, you know, tell us a little bit um, about your about this job that you have, there are so many people who, particularly women, who who want to serve the church, and I think there are mm. so many ways that we can serve. Um, whether that's whether that's in uh, kind of formal pastoral leadership, but there are there are tons of ways. And uh, you have a position that I think of as something that's that's kind of new, um, although so desperately needed, right? So, can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your role and how that came to be? Yeah, that's a great question, and so. Um, the ch- our church, um, Epiphany Church, we've been part of our church for about four years, a little over four years, almost five. Um, and while I was, I think we had just had our second, um, our second, he, he's, I, I keep track because he's as old as the church. I was pregnant when we started going to the church and he is four and a half. Um, I remember our pastor coming over to the house with his wife and talking to us, you know, just about what we did, what I did and what we did and just vision for the church. And I remember him saying, you know, I know, you know, you guys just had a baby, so don't want to kind of put too much on your plate. But just, you know, these are things to think through. And and something that he had mentioned even from back then was the importance of discipleship. And the church was rather new at that point. Um, and so as I continue, continue to, um, go back to work. And um, work means at that point, working up at Columbia University um, in campus ministry, you know, years passed and, you know, the conversation came up again and he just kind of approached me and said, what do you think about, and would you have the bandwidth to maybe just to begin to disciple a small group of young women, six to eight women? And not only that, um, could you recommend resources? And that to me said a whole lot without saying a whole lot. Number one, coming to me as a woman, asking me to recommend resources, um, you know, as a senior pastor, I was like, wow, that, that really shows me where his heart is um, and how he values women and our gifts. Um, and so I did that. And I was able to do that during the summertime because obviously the college students are um, on break. So my, my you know, rhythms of work are a little less. And so that's what I did. And I was able to, you know, disciple this group. We would meet at my house, you know, once a month. Uh, we actually were going through a book called Mentor for Life uh, by Natasha Sistrunk Robinson, who also has been at the table. Um, <laughs> I love yeah, That's my go-to book, y'all. Uh, Mentor for Life, Finding Purpose Through Intentional Discipleship. So that was like a couple mm-hmm. years ago. That group ended. 
work picked up back at Columbia. And so I wasn't able to, you know, continue that on. But then, you know, it would just be kind of young ladies approaching me saying, hey, Yolanda, can we grab lunch? Can we grab coffee? I would love for you to mm-hmm. disciple me. Um, and that's that's what it would look like. But once I actually did get laid off along with, you know, half of America back last mm-hmm. year in August. And so my pastor and our um, we actually have a discipleship pastor you know, they there was a conversation begun about what what does it look for, look like for you to to serve at the church and use your gifts, and they just were just straight up like this pandemic has revealed a weakness in discipleship in the local mm-hmm. church. You know, we That's are cool. we are separate, we are isolated, we're not meeting in person, and people are struggling to say the least. And you know, it was like we were struggling even before COVID. This was just almost like just squeezing the sponge and seeing you know where the, the issues were before. And so they asked me to kind of put together a plan, um, like a proposal of what I could do formally. I did that and that was where it started. And so um, for the past month, it's looked like me equipping, writing resources for existing ministry leaders, um, people who are already doing ministry at the church, equipping them, writing a discipleship curriculum, figuring out what virtual discipleship looks like, um, you know, creating a website, a web page on our existing website where people can sign up to be mentored, can sign up to mentor someone, uh, and then equipping those people who do sign up, uh, people who are looking for accountability partners. Um, but then also a lot of vision casting. And then the last thing I'll say is we have a lot of new members. Praise God. People are actually coming to Christ during this pandemic, but they don't know anyone. right it's it's been it's been youtube sermons and Uh you know doing a a covenant community class uh online and figuring out like that's great but it's like you know things that would normally organically happen you know you pass by somebody in the lobby at church you talk to them you know you you serving with somebody you're in the the children's ministry room you exchange information hey sis let's get coffee let's talk let's pray those things can't happen and so They said, well, Yolanda, how can you come up with some sort of virtual discipleship plan? So that's literally what I've I've been up to is, you know, casting vision via Instagram, (laughs) people signing up, me reaching back out to those people saying, hey, what are your goals? Where do you want to grow spiritually? And then almost kind of like a Holy Ghost matchmaker, you know, matching people (laughs) up. (laughs) Um, But but I have knowledge of, you know, I've, I've been you know, uh, forming intentional relationships with people for the past four years who are existing leaders and members and me saying, okay, I know you, you and sister so-and-so would, would, would get along great. And she would really be able to pour into you and not just the ladies, the brothers as well, helping them, uh, to partner, um, with one another. And so that's, that's what it looks like, but it's, it's a lot of writing. It's a lot of teaching. It's a lot of equipping and it's a lot of phone calls because, uh, we in a whole pandemic. Embracing your Black identity does not make you less Christian. Throughout American history, Black people were not given the freedom to acknowledge their suffering. Author A.D. Thomason believes that the Holy Spirit brings freedom and liberation as we are able to name our pain, recognize its roots in history and society, and seek healing. In his new book, Permission to be Black, My Journey with Jay-Z and Jesus from IVP, A.D. shares his story of healing from past wounds and uses his artistry as a poet and storyteller to confess his internalized 
pain and embrace the liberating joy of Christ. He writes for millennials, emerging adults, and anyone else who is ready to acknowledge the reality of racial trauma and our need to confront it. AD's powerful story gives you permission to be Black, to be Christian, and to be the person God made you to be. Truth Table listeners can save 40% off of permission to be Black when they order at ivypress.com using promo code TRUTH21. That's TRUTH21. Offer expires on April 30th. Once again, use promo code TRUTH21 at ivypress.com to save 40% off of Permission to be Black, My Journey with Jay-Z and Jesus by A.D. Thomason. You know what's one good thing about Facebook? What? Because, you know, I don't fool with Facebook like that. (laughs) Well, you know what you can find on Facebook. You can find Truth Table Black Women's Discipleship Group. Oh, that's right. That is one good thing about (laughs) Facebook. Absolutely. Look, sisters, we have started the Truth Table Black Women's Facebook Discipleship Group. So all you got to do is go to Facebook.com slash Truth Table, like our page. Yes, yes, yes. Go to our group and join you gotta answer three questions. Come one on. of them, one of them questions is, "Are you a black woman?" Come, Come on, on y'all. Decency Come on. and order. We made it very Decency easy in order now. Decency and order. <laughs> answer those three questions and then agree to the rules. That's all. And then you get admitted into the discipleship group, and we are going to have a good time in that group, growing in the Lord and getting to know each other. So join us today, Facebook.com/slash Truth Table. We are yes, 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 and it's so much of discipleship. It seems um, from the way that you've been describing it, it's um, soul care, right? Mm. Um, and, and caring um, f- for the souls and shepherding and walking with um, and yeah. um, and being in the trenches with people, right? Because people mm. are really going through um, mm-hmm. in this pandemic. Um, where we, we call it the parallelogram, right? We call it the panini, all types of names now, right? We got all types of names for it. But um, I'm curious, Yolanda, you know, you were saying, um, as you were describing your role and how you came to your role there at um, at your church, at your local church, uh, I'm curious, you, you, you kind of uh, were using discipleship and uh, mentors. And I'm curious if you could talk to us about what is discipleship? How do you define it? Mm. And do you, uh, is there a difference between discipleship and mentorship? And if so, what is that? Okay. Um, so discipleship, like here's the thing. So a, a disciple is basically a follower, right? In the Bible, we see Jesus Christ call people to follow him. And then he promises to transform them, right? He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, right? He says, follow me. He's basically saying, follow me and I'm going to make you something new. And as we read the, the scriptures, we see that those followers or disciples are transformed as Jesus becomes his own good news. He models a life of obedience to his father's commands, lives sacrificially is the true son of God. But like you said, he doesn't just teach. He, he lives with them. He, day by day, he's modeling servant leadership. He's modeling a robust prayer life. He's loving them, calling them his friends. And, you know, he then ascends to glory and he commands his followers to imitate him. And he says, you know, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. So I think the essence of Christian discipleship is Christians imitating Jesus, empowered by the spirit, doing what Jesus did, being disciples of Christ or followers of Christ in order to make 
disciples of Christ. And so for me, discipleship looks like intentional relationships, serving other believers, walking alongside other believers as we both are following Christ, right? We're both Mm -hmm. being transformed from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And so uh, in that book, I mentioned mentor for life. And that's funny because Natasha Sistrunk Robinson uses the term mentor. She, She calls discipleship making an investment into the kingdom of God by investing my life into God's people, right? Um, and so sometimes using a more familiar word like mentoring can be right. helpful when introducing people to the concept of discipleship who aren't so churchy, right? And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, mentoring, but when I do think about mentoring, I, I would just say this, mentoring is about someone with a certain level of expertise or training, um, advising a less tenured person, usually for the purpose of professional advancing ad- advancement. And so when I think about mentoring in a professional sense, I kind of think of the goal is growing kind of like so that I can become like my mentor or surpass my mentor. And similar to mentoring, Christian discipleship is about growth. But unlike, I would say, mentoring in the professional sense, Christian discipleship is always about pointing people towards Christ and no place mm-hmm. else, right? Like I'm not mm-hmm. pointing people to me. Like John, John the baptizer yeah. had disciples, but his assignment was to testify about the life the light, not about himself, right? Like even Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ in first Corinthians, but Paul's not interested in making Paul clones. He's always pointing people to Christ. He says, um, you know, in second Corinthians, I think he says what we proclaim is not ourselves. Like I'm not proclaiming Paul, but Jesus is Lord. I'm just a servant for Jesus's sake. Right. And so you, you read passages like first Thessalonians and Paul says, you know, I love you guys so much. And I wasn't just delighted to share the gospel, but I wanted to share my life, right? Like that that shows kind of what discipleship is. And back to discipleship, I think early on, you know, I thought maybe discipleship was more about a lot, like a lot of information. I was like, I've gone to seminary and people are asking me to help them grow. And, you know, I could sit and have coffee and like teach them stuff. And (laughs) I think I was wrong um, because I don't think discipleship is about like dropping knowledge on people once a week at a coffee shop. I think Um, there's a dude, James K. Smith. um, I love, he has a book called uh, Desiring the Kingdom. um, And he says, following Jesus isn't primarily a matter of getting the right ideas and doctrines and beliefs in order to guarantee a certain type of behavior. But dis- but following Jesus is a matter of being transformed into the kind of person who loves rightly, who loves God and loves neighbor and is oriented to the world by the primacy of that love, right? So we can have tons of knowledge and that's not going to make us or anyone I'm discipling more like Christ if my heart is being formed and shaped by what he calls secular liturgies, in other words, by the things that we just do every single day, because those things actually can capture our hearts and our imaginations and drive what we do. And so a lot of what I do looks like to just try to make it as practical as possible. I'm helping people to reframe how they see spiritual practices, right? If what I love is shaped and molded by what I do, right? If desire is shaped by discipline, then my prayer life can form me just like scrolling on Instagram can form me. And I'm trying to help people to reframe how they see prayer, how they see studying the Bible, how they see fasting, you know, by letting them watch me in a sense, but also 
we're both following Christ, right? Amen, like amen. I'm helping them to learn to study the word so that they can see God for themselves in all of God's beauty, right? Then they can see themselves in light of who God is, be transformed by that process, and then do the same thing um, for somebody else. Amen. Beautiful. Yolanda, that is that is so good. You know, people say that after people talk sometimes when I listen. <laughs> like, so good. And I'm like, mm, but no, that really is so good. <laughs> you, you, you know the things, you know what you're talking about. I, I, just, I just read a lot of books, much less, you know, with this whole uh, quarantine and my kids, they won't let me be great. But I just, I, tell people, I just, I just really just be saying what other people be writing. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, like I'll just say one more thing. Like when I'm discipling somebody, I have to remind myself that I'm partnering with God because that really used to trip me up. Right. It's like, dag, like, it, like the thinking like the success of my my relationship with Christ is caught up in the growth of this other person and that used to really mess me up you know but it's like no 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 I'm partnering with God by serving somebody else in order to join God and what God is doing in them now now that person can again they can look at how God is working in my life and be encouraged they can look at spiritual disciplines and rhythms that have helped me to grow and learn but at the end of the day it's about us both following Christ Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We, the, the story that you told us when you were when you were explaining to us kind of about your own your own faith journey and um, mm-hmm. the way in which the woman who discipled you, I mean, you talked about like this kind of this characteristic of joy, like her, that, that, how that stood out, how that was just a testimony that she, uh, to something distinct about her. But also, as I listened to that story, I was thinking about the way that she how she pursued you. Um mm. How, how she walked towards you in compassion and kindness. And in that sense, yes. was mirroring the way in which um, the love of God pursues us, right? And walks mm. towards us and beckons us. And my guess is it could be somebody listening right now who is who is inspired and encouraged by what you're sharing, but also who feels a deep sadness because they have not had the experience um, in, in this way of being disciple, we know that there's all kinds of ways that, you know, kind of communally or we can we can um, be sharpened and, and challenged and encouraged. But um, there are, I think that my guess is there are people listening right now who are who are hoping and longing for someone to walk towards them to to disciple them. Mm-hmm. And um, so one, I, I would love for you to to speak to that and both uh, from the standpoint of a a sad heart, but also practically what to do about that. And also to those who might be listening to this thinking like, I, I want to do, I want to do what Yolanda does. I, I, I want to be the person that walks towards others and walks with them. What, what would be the advice that you would share with people who are in either of those positions in this journey? Wow. That's, that's a really good question. And this, and I, I deal with that literally every single day, um, tr- you know, where the people who want to be discipled are outnumbering the people who are signing up to do the discipling and trying to encourage um, both groups. Right. Um, and so to the person who is sad, to the person who is, is listening to this and is saying, man, I want to grow. I wish kind of somebody would take me under their wing. Um, I would say, I feel you, you know, Um, and that's an amazing thing to want. Like, first of all, be encouraged to know that like that desire didn't come from you. Right. Like that is something that is been birthed by the Holy Spirit where you actually want to live out, you know, uh, the body of Christ. Like you actually want 
what God said the church is supposed to be, to be real in your life, right? You want um, to walk along some someone so that you can mature into Christ um, and flourish. Um, I would say to that person, um, pray. And I know, and I, I can almost hear the groans through the internet waves, right? Because um, we underestimate prayer, but I would say pray and ask God to show you somebody who you can trust. Um, and I And I think, that is risky because, you know, people can be flaky sometimes. Um, you know, you maybe hit your wagon to somebody and maybe they disappoint you. But I would say pray and ask God to show you someone that you already know, someone that you already maybe admire and, and, and ask God, you know, could this be a person I could approach? And again, that's risky because I think one of my good friends always says we're, we're always measuring in life. How safe do we want to be with how much do I want to be known? Right. We want to be known, but we want to be safe. And people, you know, nobody's Jesus. So people can disappoint us. Um, but I would say pray. Um, I would say, you know, look for a person who's trustworthy, who's honest, who's loving, who's not a gossip, um, who has credibility and who has had, you know, been a servant to others. Um, who's safe. I, I feel like I keep saying safe, but I'll just keep saying it because it matters. Um, someone who's a student of the word, somebody who who has taught others. And also finally, somebody who's humble. Um, someone who's being mentored or discipled themselves. Um, I think that is key when looking for uh, a mentor, or d- discipleship mentor. And then finally, I would say, sometimes there's people in our lives that we maybe have discounted because they're not like us or they don't necessarily share, like they're not in the same life stage as us, or maybe they don't like what we like. Maybe they're a different ethnicity and we're thinking maybe I wouldn't vibe with that person. Um, But I'll say this about Christian friends, like Christian friendships differ from contemporary notions of friendship. I think as believers, we're called into a body, we're saved into a body and we're called into friendship or even as Paul would say in Philippians one, we're called into gospel partnerships, right? Koinonia because of our common friendship in Christ. And I know like, I just, I'm a living witness. Um, I got friends in Christ that I would never (laughs) have associated with on other grounds, but we share the spirit. We're Mm -hmm. eating from the same grace buffet and the friendship is amazing because we're so different and we're wrestling with the word coming from different social locations, different backgrounds. And it really, you know, has formed me and, and, and really, um, heightened my empathy, uh, for that person. But then, Help me remember the, the second part of the question, the person who is the, the discipler. Is that well, yeah, the, the person who's listening to you now and is like, I, I want I want to do what she's doing. Mm, okay. So to the person that's listening and saying, hey, I want to do what she's doing. Um, first of all, praise God. Uh, the body of Christ needs you. I think that, you know, when we did, as the church prioritize discipleship, we actually reveal Jesus. We make Jesus easier to see. It's such a corporate expression of of love for neighbor. It's such a it's such a like a softball. Like we like man. Like if the church could just get loving our neighbor right. Um, but I'll just say to, to that person. Um, oh, how could I how could I put this? Um, when we engage in discipleship, like remember that like the gospel becomes real. And in this day and age, it's so vital that Christians are being formed by Christ and not other things. And so you might be saying, I would love to find someone. I would love to begin to to share my life with someone um, in this way, 
to remind other people of truth and motivation for new life in Christ, I would say, number one, um, it's not about facilitating behavior modification, right? Like, I think the power, I'll just, I'll say this first, the power for discipleship comes from being a disciple. So first of all, are you being discipled? Is, mm. is there someone who is, you know, pouring into you and, um, what does your own spiritual formation look like, right? Like if you look at Hebrews 10, right? It says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. We have a great high priest. So let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And so like, we just see that, you know, there's a lot of we's and us's, right? Like, so my presence with God, like, because I can draw near to God, that empowers me to be present in community and disciple, uh, you know, someone else. And that both of those things are essential to spiritual formation, right? Um, and so I would say first, check out your own life. Are you drawing near to God, right? So that you're not, you're not discipling people and then burnt out in a couple weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like Jesus is always up in God's presence, right? But he still goes to Gethsemane and asks his trifling friends to pray for him in his mm-hmm. most vulnerable moments. So even Jesus had people that he asked to pray for him, that he was even, you know, while I draw near to God, could y'all draw near to God with me, right? And so I said, discipleship's not about facilitating behavior modification. And so I, the second thing I would say is that it, it's reminding people because people feel like they have to come to God a certain kind of way. I think a lot of what discipleship is just reminding people that they can come to God with a bonnet on in the spirit with all of their flaws and invite God's word and spirit to just transform their desires and affections and values. But how? By watching, by letting them watch you do that. Right. And so is there anyone that you could invite into your world? And again, I know this, we're in a pandemic. And so this is going to look kind of weird. But when I think about Paul's letters, that's kind of socially distanced discipleship. A lot of times Paul disciples people. He's not physically with the people that he's providing instruction and testimony and encouragement, you know, in the form of prayer. Look at Romans, look at Philippians. And so, yes, this is a socially distanced moment, but I would say also to that person, pray, who is in your life, you know, who maybe without saying it has cried out and said, I need help, right? But that 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 entails listening well. I think listening is probably the best part of discipleship advice I could give, right? Jesus listened to the men and women that yes. he discipled and he listened to them before he said a word to them. I'm thinking about Mary and Martha at Lazarus' funeral. Yes, he was gonna, you know, do a great work and raise Lazarus from the dead, but he sat and just listened and mm-hmm. wept with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think it's difficult to encourage and disciple people that we don't know anything about. So mm-hmm. like like Jesus's call to discipleship presupposes that us as his followers possess a care and a practical concern for one another. Right. So I would say get to know people when you're talking to people and people you ask people how they're doing. Don't mentally check out and start thinking about how you're going to respond to what they're saying. Like, are they are they are they worried? Are they happy? Are they sad? Are they angry? Are they fearful? What are they hopeful about? How do they describe their circle of friends? Do they have friends? How do they talk about their families? Right? Like, you know, praying about it, who to reach out to, then going ahead, taking the risk, reaching out to them, but then also listening when they begin to open up. Um, I would also say if you're if you're in a discipleship relationship, model transparency. 
and a willingness to confess your own struggles and to repent of your own sin. And I think that breaks down emotional walls that people might have up if they really don't know you. You know what I'm saying? Like, also, like, don't be a judgmental jerk when sin is confessed to you. That, 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 Mm -hmm. right? Like, respond to confessed sin with the same grace and truth that Jesus offers to you. And I think that that helps people on both sides, because I think sometimes people are scared to reach out to be discipled because somebody just did that to them. But then on the flip side, if someone is confessing sin to me or confessing a struggle to me and is kind of like saying I need help without saying I need help, me just listening and just extending the same grace that I've received, it does wonders. Mm. There's so much in there that you just that you just said. um, Yes, Yolanda. And I was thinking of, you know, um, even when I'm teaching, I'm always talking about how we cannot make the case that we love someone if we don't listen to them, that Mm. listening is an essential component to the credibility of our love. And Mm. that it's one of the things that God, amongst many things that God does for us, God invites us to be listened to by God at any moment, we are to pray without ceasing. And um, and again, you've, you've really reiterated just how important and central prayer is, the discipline of prayer is. Um, but not only from our standpoint, but also it allows us to be convinced of, in, in additional ways, of God's love for us, because God mm-hmm. is always willing and able and inclined to listen to us. So thank you for driving that home and hopefully driving us all to our knees more and more. Come on. Yes, Yolanda. I mean, goodness, there's so much um, <laughs> knowledge that you're dropping. It's, it's so refreshing and very helpful. You know, you, you mentioned, um, you know, how discipleship is not uh, about facilitating behavioral modification, which mm-hmm. made me think, uh, about the question of wondering, like, what is like, um, you know, what are some warning signs for a discipleship that has gone wrong? Like, what are some examples <laughs> of that? Um, because, you know, some people might be in a discipling um, or a mentorship relationship with someone, but, you know, but they don't necessarily, they, they might have a sense that something has gone awry, but they don't know exactly how to spot or identify uh. if this is maybe not very healthy a healthy dynamic if that makes sense yeah oh discipleship going wrong that sounds like a horrible podcast like that title right there like <laughs> discipleship going wrong um yeah i yeah i've i've been there unfortunately um mm. i've 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 been guilty and i've been a victim i think mm. the the first thing i'll say is in order to grow up into Christ, we need each other, right? Like that's Ephesians 4, that's 1 Corinthians 12, right? Like God's will is that his followers are made up of interdependent image bearers. We're working together for each other's flourishing, for God's glory. And we need each other, right? To remind us of truth, the truth that we forget sometimes. Um, and and the, I think the Bible even says we're gifts from God to each other, right? But yeah. I think a warning sign could be like if there's codependency, like a situation going on. I think when you have a situation where people feel like they can't access God without you, that mm-hmm. might be a sign that the discipleship relationship is unhealthy. And it's a, it's become mm-hmm. a codependent thing where you have become the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think, you know, mm-hmm. a way to maybe identify that is like this person so if you, this, you're the person discipling someone and they're just constantly calling you like, I can't make this decision. I need help. Could you pray? Like, and, and it's, and it's, 
you ask them, like, have you prayed about this? And it's like, well, not really, because they want you to give the word. They want you to basically be the Holy Ghost, you know? And again, I think discipleship is about pointing people to God. Like even um, in, in I, I'm, our church is studying Philippians, so I'm just in Philippians right now. But like in Philippians, Paul thanks God for the partnership that he has with the Philippian church. Like he's grateful for them. They share in his burdens. They send him money while he's in jail. They've encouraged him, um, you know, to the point where he says, I rejoice because I know that through your prayers, you know, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. But at the end of the day, he knows that the God that they serve is the author and the sustainer and the finisher of the work that God has begun in him and God has begun in them. And so I would say like a red flag is like, I've replaced God's role with like the person who's discipling me. Like they're the, they're the ones sustaining me. Like if I don't pray with them this week, I'm lost. You know, that can be a red flag. And, and I would say another red flag would be, and this, I would say I've experienced this is like, discipleship is not about finding your identity and being a disciple, a discipler. I'll say that again. Discipleship is not about finding your identity and being a discipler. Like at the end of the day, we're all disciples of Christ, right? Like Jesus is the only person that is like, follow me. Like I'm not telling nobody follow me. <laughs> I mean, right? like, yes, you, again, like you can see, man, Yolanda, like how do you sit down and study the word or, you know, what does your prayer life look like and glean helpful, you know, tips, I guess. But at the end of the day, it's about following Jesus. You know what I mean? And so like, I'm, I have to remember, I'm not the Holy Ghost. I have to remember that it's not about, like my success as a Christian is not wrapped up in how many people I'm discipling or even their spiritual growth, you know? Mm. Like that's God's job. Um, and so I would say that that is, a red flag where like you're, you're, you, you're bummed out because the person you're discipling maybe isn't as growing as fast as you want them to. Like, it's like, well, hold on. Like, I mean, and that was a big deal for me when I was, you know, working in campus ministry, cause I'm only with people for four years, right? Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. And so I'm trying to pour all of this out into these students and I'm like, oh, you know, why won't they get it? And it's like, well, like four years in the span of a life is a blip. You know, and it took other coworkers and people who were discipling me to be like, Yolanda, you got to be patient. Like, you got to think of a long game. Like, you're just planting a seed. You're just in their life for a small time. Yes, it's a formative time, but like, just be patient. And I think that revolutionized how I looked at discipleship um, and just, you know, being patient, you know, with people, but also like me having a greater understanding of like sanctification and how God transforms people. I think. I think you mentioned the word like soul transformation at Kemeny. Like discipleship is that like that's what it is, but it's soul transformation, but it's, there's no cocoon. Like when a butterfly, like when a caterpillar is going through the, the, the metamorphosis, there's a cocoon to hide the ugliness, but we don't have no cocoons. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the metamorphosis is happening and every, everybody can see it, yep. you know? Yep. And, and sometimes, you know, you're discipling someone and you're like, you're seeing some mm. ugly stuff and you're like, ah, like I want to fix it. But it's like, no, 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 we got like, like the transformation is happening where we're both united with Christ and we're, we're, we're both trusting Jesus and looking to his death and resurrection as, as the blueprint, but also looking to the spirit, um, to provide the power, um, you know, for, for life. Uh, I, I have one more thing to say about grace, but I don't know if we have time. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I was actually going to prompt you to, to, to really go in that direction. 
Um, just being mindful of people who just feel, yeah, who feel kind of burnt out or apathetic mm. or betrayed. Mm. Um, if you could just, yes, just walk right, open that door to grace. <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh, we're going through the door. We're going through. Um, yeah, I think the biggest, uh, um, when I, when I say to someone, Hey, would you, would you think about, you know, discipling someone? And they're like, ah, I don't know, you know? And I say, why? And they say, you know, I'm barely hanging on myself. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I got one foot in the church and one foot out. You know, I'm just trying to make it through. I don't know if I have the emotional bandwidth to love with the love that, you know, I know that discipling someone is going to entail. And I, and to that person, I say, like, that actually is a dope instinct. Like, yes, we are in of ourselves. We don't have the power, right? Um, Paul, Paul says to the Philippian church, he says, you all are partakers of me with grace. In other words, like he is super cognizant of grace as favor, which helps him to say things like I'm a sinner and I'm struggling and I need prayers, but he's also cognizant of grace as power, right? Like by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me is not in vain. Right? Like, and so like, of course you're insufficient to disciple someone. I'm insufficient. Like every, like, but our sufficiency comes from God. Like it's God who's doing this work in us. And because we share from the same well of grace, grace humbles my heart to disciple someone and not be a jerk when someone confesses to me, but to realize that like, I need that same grace, like the grace that God has extended to me, I need to extend to them, you know, but also that grace humbling my heart to like be open and honest about my stuff. You know, like the, like the same grace that, that humbles me is the same grace that sustains me and sustains you. And that's what we have in common. And it gives us life when, when we don't like, I remember talking to a college student about like Jesus and she was like, I don't love anybody that much. (laughs) She was like, you're talking about the love of Jesus. Like I I, I don't, I don't have this radical Mm -hmm. unconditional love and I appreciated her honesty. But I, but I think in that moment, like it, it was just a moment to kind of remind both of us that like grace empowers us to love people who are hard to love. Grace um, frees us up to be vulnerable in healthy ways in discipleship relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's good news because the Bible says when we were unlovable sinners, Christ died for us. So I, I'm constantly empowered to do what I do by the love God has for me. And then also remembering the love that God's people showed for me. Like I'll never forget what that, you know, young lady did for me out in LA. Like, you know, I was, I just, I think back and I cringe at some of the things I said and she just like, she listened, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, she was vulnerable. She opened up her own life to me. And that really did like, that was so powerful. The joy piece was powerful too, but it was just like, wow, like, you're really living an authentic Christian life. You know, like I really feel like maybe I could do a bit of what you're doing. Like it seems possible, but like you're all, you know? And, and so I don't know if that answered your question, but um, yeah, I think, I think to the person that has just been, you know, maybe hurt. I get it. I get it, sis. Like I, I, you know, that's where I, that's why I always say go back to prayer and just pray, you know, and Mm -hmm. say, God, Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to take this risk to be known. You know, your word says that we, that we should be known by, by other believers. And, and that's how the body of Christ grows. And, and just help me, lead me, Lord. And then maybe also like talk to other people about a person that you might be um, thinking about and, and get, you know, some, some references. <laughs> oh. Oh. We believe 
and spiritual references at this table now. <laughs> I mean, I, I tell people, listen, it, it'll save you some. It'll save you some heartache and some, you know, some some time. And time, exactly, <laughs> exactly. My goodness, thank you so much, Yolanda. You, I mean, you. my goodness, this is just, just absolutely. Um, beautiful just articulation of what discipleship is uh, what mentorship is you know what to look for are just so helpful mm-hmm. and i know that our sisters at the table are just going to so appreciate um, just your wisdom uh and your expertise in this area and your humility um here as well and uh, i i would love for you to talk to our sisters at the table and um tell them how they can uh, follow you or whatever, uh, any new projects or works that you're working on or even follow just your current um, work as a discipleship director. This is your time to talk to the sisters at the table. Oh my gosh. So I just got an Instagram account. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, like literally like two weeks ago. So again, like our, our, our church reco- like asked me to cast a vision for discipleship, you know, and record a video. And so I did it and uh, they put it up on Instagram and it got viewed a lot. Right. And yeah. so my husband was like, you, you might want to actually join Instagram. You like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You might be right. Like I'm more on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? I'm on Twitter. Twitter's where the angry people go. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> people who like to argue and, and, and read, you know, I, I don't really, you know, Instagram wasn't really my thing, but if you go to Instagram uh, and go, I'm Yolanda.Solomon.BK. There is a link in my bio that literally I just put up where you can um, read about the discipleship ministry that you know I'm I'm working with and and shaping at Epiphany Church. Um, you can partner with me. I am raising support for my position. Um, and there's also some videos you can watch and some resources. And right now, you know, my pastor, he's super encouraging. Um, I'm writing a discipleship curriculum for leaders for churches. As you said, this is an issue that. I think it's it's in every single church, um, you know, that churches need to be strengthened in the area of discipleship. Um, and so I'm writing a discipleship curriculum for our church first, but hopefully it'll be something that can be shared um, with others. So prayers are coveted for that. Um, and that's that's really it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, we can't let you go. I, I promise I was going to give you a music question. Yay! I promise. And I try to keep my promises now. So, <laughs> only because you have. Okay. Yeah. We're going to give you one got to go. Are oh, you ready? No. I'm ready, but I'm not happy. Um. <laughs> okay. One got to go. One got to go. All right. Come on, Whitney, Shaka. So disrespectful. Aretha Ugh. or Anita. One got to go. Oh, it's, it's, it's painful every time, you know. <laughs> Even when it's not me, you know, because I'm a fan, you know, if y'all have I'm a fan of the podcast. Um, so I'm gonna say it cannot be Whitney, okay. just because I mean, and as we await the you know re airing of Cinderella with you know, yes. Yes. Whitney yeah. and and uh, her little sister Brandy coming on Brandy. in a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just—I mean, Whitney's voice is just—it's a, a gift from God. Uh, it cannot be Anita. I mean, I don't even know if I need to go into detail, but why it can't be Anita? But it just can't, can't be Anita. I, I see you when I hear you. Thank you. It just, it just can't. It just can't. Um, so that leaves a Shaka and Aretha. Um, I've—I've I've never seen Aretha live. I've seen mm-hmm. Shaka live, 
And Absolutely. I'm going to say it's Shaka. I'm going to say Shaka has to go. Aretha is a national treasure. Um, I was Dude. listening to that um, that amazing, was it Amazing Grace album? I need to uh, watch the documentary. Oh, listen, yeah. uh, her voice is just, mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, it's 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 amazing. But Shaka's got to go because I've seen two uh, one one too many shot live Shaka performances where I was like, okay, okay, <laughs> we, and I'll just leave we, it at that. <laughs> and so I love you, I love you, Shaka. You are Master, masterful musician, plays the drums and all, but uh, Shaka's got to go. I, you know what? I feel like a lot of the sisters that come to the table will be eliminated. Shaka, we love you, Shaka. We do. We do. I, mean, I love Shaka, but I mean, you know, I see Whitney live, I know what I'm going to get. I see Riri live, you know, rest in peace, I know what I'm going to get. Anita, a live performance is like a clean white shirt. It, it, it just You can see everything, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, well. well. Not inside their cocoon. They not. They not in their cocoon. Sweetening <laughs> <laughs> and auto tunes. That is so funny. No, but hey, hey, you had to choose. You know, you had you had to choose. You know, you, you, one of them had to go. It was all. Yeah. It's not easy. It wasn't it's an awful easy. Question. It's horrible. Satan came up with that. <laughs> it's not a. <laughs> That is so funny. Oh my goodness. Yolanda, it was a pleasure to have you at the table. Can you tell us just one more time where they can follow you on Twitter and Instagram? Oh my gosh. Where am I on Twitter? My husband's going to kill me. Okay. So Instagram, I'm literally clicking this up right now. I am Yolanda.Solomon.BK. I am following one person. So I think I need to do better. That's what we That's my Instagram. Or Instagram. Okay. On Instagram, it's yolanda.solomon.bk. And on Twitter, you know, you may or may not, I don't, I give a disclaimer on Twitter, what, you know, it's a little spicy on Twitter. Um, I am uh, <laughs> at Clay oh, Films, oh, at Clay Films, yes, and, and Maddie Moss's Glasses is my handle. Shout out yes. to Mother yes. Maddie Moss. Yes. That's who I am on, on Twitter. Um, so you, you can find me there tweeting about Jesus, my miserable Knicks, um, and, and <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, we thank you so much for sitting at the table with us, Yolanda. We appreciate you. And of course, we want to thank our sisters for sitting at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about We Gonna Learn Today. Mm-hmm. Discipleship with Yolanda Solomon. Using the hashtag Truce Table, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Truce Table or email us your thoughts at asktrucetable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truce Table has a Patreon account so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash Truce Table, or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash Truce Table. Truce Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York, and we have been your hosts, Kemeny, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see y'all soon on the next Truce Table. Bye, y'all.